verse again. That's page 180 in your hymn book. If you couldn't find it, let's sing that chorus real loud this morning. Let everybody know we've got something to be happy about. Amen. The blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. You can be happy this morning. Amen. We're blessed people. Blessed beyond measure. Let's sing. There will meet the one who saved us and who kept us by His grace and who brought us to that land so bright and fair. We will praise His name forever as we look on his face, everybody will be happy over there. Everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We will shout and sing his praise. Everybody will be happy over there. Amen. Turn and welcome your neighbor to the house of the Lord. Fellowship with one another. Make our visitors feel welcome today. There's a name above all others Wonderful to hear Bringing hope and cheer It's the lovely name of Jesus Evermore the same What a lovely name what a lovely name, the name of Jesus, rich and higher for 
than the brightest star. It's sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven. Let the world proclaim what a lovely name. Praise the Lord. of every race shall behold His face with Him enter heaven's city heaven will proclaim what a lovely name what a lovely name the name of Jesus Reaching higher far than the brightest star. It's sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven. Let the world proclaim what a lovely name. There's a name above all others, wonderful to hear, bringing hope and cheer. It's the lovely name of Jesus, evermore the same. What a lovely name. What a lovely name, the name of Jesus, reaching higher far than the brightest star. It's sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven. Let the world proclaim what a lovely name. of every race shall behold His face with Him enter heaven's city ever to proclaim what a lovely name what a lovely name the name of Jesus Reaching higher far than the brightest star. It's sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven. Let the world proclaim what a lovely name. Let the world proclaim what a lovely name.
know something's missing to hear a still small voice that you just keep dismissing. Do you know how it feels to be troubled inside? To think just for you on the cross, someone died. Do you know how it feels? When he knocks to surrender To have your sins washed away Never to be remembered And to know that it's real Tell me, do you know how it feels? Then how does it feel to know You're the child of the King Your heavenly Father He owns everything And how does it feel? Know you are loved by the one who created the stars up above. How does it feel to know you're alright when you lay your head on your pillow each night and to know that it's real? Any good to know how it feels? Do you know how it feels? When your cold heart is melting, tears started flowing. The moment you felt it, do you know how it feels? To know you've been changed, and it seems that the whole world has been rearranged. Do you know how it feels? Wherever you roam, you still get a feeling you're not at home, knowing heaven is real. Tell me, do you know how it feels? Then how does it feel to know you're the child of the King, your heavenly Father? He owns everything. And how does it feel to know you are loved by the one who created the stars up above? How does it feel to know you're all right When you lay your head on your pillow each night And to know that it's real Ain't it good to know how it feels Miss Bradley's favorite song, so I'll do that for her. <clears throat> we need our spirit-filled preachers to teach us right from wrong. We need her old-fashioned seekers who will pray all night long. We need some good gospel singing to help us go another mile. And then the church will triumph, oh Lord, and we'll go home in a little while. Because it'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. After all of these trials, we're going to hear Jesus call. Because it'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. After all of this climb.
it'll be worth it after all. Now when you're down in the valley, if there's all I can do, and then the Lord sends deliverance, and He strengthens you. But when you're up on the mountain and see me struggling alone, we'll lift my name up to Jesus. We'll help each other make it home. Cause it'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. After all of these trials, we're going to hear Jesus call. Because it'll be worth it after all, child. It'll be worth it after all. After all of this climbing, it'll be worth it after all. After all of this climbing, it'll be worth it after all. First Kings chapter number 18 and verse number 22 is what I want to look at in the beginning. Let's stand together for the reverence of the reading of God's Word and prayer for the message and reverence to the one that wrote the book. And uh, I preached from this particular passage of Scripture not too long ago, but trust me, this is a new loaf of bread. I just love the stories, and sometimes I go back to them several times before God gets finished with me on those particular uh, Scripture. But 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 22. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. I can imagine that Elijah's feeling lonely. One of him for his God. And 450 Prophets for the, for the God of Baal. I want to preach on this thought just for a little while. Let the fire fall. Just let it fall. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you again for the wonderful songs of Zion. We thank you for this good crowd that's gathered here in the house of the Lord this morning. And God, we thank you for the strength and the effort to get out of bed this morning, dear God, to just to come to your house and to worship you in truth and in spirit. And Lord, I pray this morning, dear God, that you would please, sir, undergird me with your spirit and your power. I pray, God, that you'll anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. 
Lord, I pray that you would help me to preach your word. For, Lord, I admit today I'm nothing without you. I can't get anything accomplished without you. And, Lord, I pray that you would use these lips of clay as your mouthpiece this morning as you speak to the people. And, Lord, we'll praise you, give you glory and honor for all that you do. Uh, Lord, if there's one here lost and undone, may they come to an altar of prayer and be saved before it's too late. Maybe some here been saved, done grown cold on you, done got out of your will, Lord. Lord, we're glad that you offer second chances, dear God. And Lord, may this altar look ever so close at the end of this service and that back door look a million miles away. And Lord, we'll surely give you glory, honor, and praise and say thank you for all that you do for us here today. In Jesus' name we humbly ask and pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The days of 1 Kings 18 were dark days in Israel. I'm talking about days of apostasy where people had backslidden upon the Lord. I'm talking about times of apathy and times of horrible sin that was raging through the land. And the prophet Elijah told the people to make up their minds and decide whom they would follow. Either the Lord God of heaven or the false idol God by the name of Baal. And all the people gathered together on Mount Carmel where they built an altar and placed a sacrifice upon it. And then Elijah declared unto them and directed them to pray and said, The God who answers with fire, let him be God. And they got together the prophets of Baal and they built them an altar. And as they built the altar, they got the sacrifice and they laid it upon that altar. And they began to pray. And they began to pray long and hard for their God Baal, this false idol God, uh, to send fire down from heaven to consume uh, that sacrifice. Well, you know the story. Nothing happened. Listen, like we said earlier, a dead God can't help anybody. And that's exactly was who uh, uh, they were praying unto. Uh, and they actually got so aggravated uh, uh, and so upset that their God couldn't answer that prayer that they began to jump on the altar and destroy it. And the Bible says uh, over in the latter verses of chapter 18, they began to cut themselves and to hit themselves until they began to bleed. And then it was Elijah's turn to get up on the scene. And he came by and he repaired uh, uh, that broken altar. Let me say this right quick. Uh, Folks, if we're going to get things done and see things changed in America today, uh, we need to repair the broken altars uh, uh, that are not being used for the glory of God. uh, And we need to get on that altar and we need to pray. uh, And as old preacher John Tidd used to tell us, uh, it's all right, just ride that altar all the way to heaven. Amen. Just ride it all the way. Uh, And if you'll see in your bulletin, I made these remarks. uh, A church that stays on an altar is a church that's not falling apart. Amen. And uh, I'm just wondering uh, how many of us have uh, got that prayer list together that the uh, good man of God preached about us uh, here just a couple of weeks ago specifically uh, asking and praying. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't one that would write down a huge amount of specific prayers and be specific with it. But more after I heard that message, my wife went out to the store and bought us both a prayer book and we began to write all those prayer requests in there and all of a sudden I've got five pages of prayer requests that I pray at least twice a day, sometimes three times a day, I get along with God. Listen, we've got to repair those broken altars and get back to an altar of prayer if you want to see things changed here in America. Listen, you can look at what's happening over there overseas in Russia and the Ukraine 
My friends, that's all coming together just like God planned it. And soon, very soon, we're going to be seeing the King of Glory as He parts the eastern skies and the trumpet sounds and He comes and gets you and I that are saved. And it's my greatest prayer today that if any of you is lost and undone, doesn't know you're from the free pardon of sin, doesn't know Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the true God of heaven, that today would be the day that you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Amen. As as Elijah begins to repair that altar, he gets 12 stones, one stone each representing each tribe of Israel. And he gets the uh, sacrifice and he cuts it up into pieces and he puts it on the altar. And they dig a big trench around that altar. And then he tells uh, the people there, he said, go get... uh, Four barrels of water. And he gets four barrels of water and he pours it on the sacrifice and into the trench that is built around that altar. And then he says, go back and do it a second time. Get four more barrels. And then he says, go back and do it a third time. That's four more barrels. That's 12 barrels of water. They have saturated the altar. They've saturated the sacrifice. They've saturated and got water floating in that trench that is around that altar. And of course, I'm sure that many a people were doubting uh, uh, that God would send fire down from heaven uh, and consume that sacrifice as Elijah would going to be requesting of him. But my friend, I hope to tell you, Elijah was a man of God. He was a man that loved the Lord, a prophet of the Lord, and he knew that his God lived, and he knew that that was no huge task for his God. And when he began to pray, a fire fell down from heaven. It not only consumed the sacrifice, it dried up the trench of water that was around the sacrifice. It licked up the dirt that was wet all the way around the altar, all around that altar. And he said, hey, now let the people know that the God that I serve, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, is the one true God. uh, And He is the one uh, that we should be worshiping and praising today. And all of those people that were surrounded there, they had a lot of conviction to come upon their heart because they knew they were following an idol. Let the fire fall. Amen. Uh, The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means the God of heaven that done these miracles in those days uh, is still the God of heaven that can perform miracles today. Uh, The only thing that's lacking is the faith of the people, I do believe. We need fire to fall from heaven. And when I speak of fire falling from heaven, I'm thinking of revival fire. I'm not talking about a wildfire. I'm not talking about enemy fire. I'm not talking about hell's fire. I'm not talking about the devil's fire. I'm talking about fire from a living God of heaven that will breathe down upon you and I, bring tears unto your eyes, and straighten our lives out and put us on a right track for the Lord. We need fire to fall. I'm glad that we feel fire falling around this place every once in a while. The Bible gives us the key, I do believe, in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. The Bible says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. That's a big part of it right there. Some of us have got too much pride to humble ourselves. I'm afraid what they're going to say if I lay on an altar of prayer. Listen, I'm not worried about those people that lay on, a, on an altar of prayer. I'm worried about those that hadn't been to an altar since Moby Dick was a mentor. Amen. Yeah. 
That's, 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 that's them's the ones I'm worried about. Those that are staying on the altar are getting their lives uh, uh, taken care of. They're getting things brought back together. Uh, uh, they're, the, they're, they're looking for something from the God of heaven. Uh, and my friend, we need those revival fires to fall in our church. Uh, and we need it for, to fall in this community. And we need it to fall across this country. Folks, folk, people in America need revival. They need a, a renewed vision of the Spirit of God coming down upon them because a lot of people are just like these people of Baal. They're worshiping false idols. They're worshiping false gods. Uh, and they're not getting anything accomplished. They don't even believe in a heaven or a hell. Amen. I'm here to tell you, it's true. And it's real. And it's not a fairy tale. First of all, I want you to look at the enemies of the revival fires. Over in 1 Kings chapter 18, along about verse 3 through 6, you can read about a compromiser. That is an enemy of a revival fire right there. A compromiser. Obadiah represents a compromiser. Now listen, the Bible says some great things about Obadiah, but Obadiah began to compromise. And I wonder how many people down through the years, they started off right, they were going to do right, they loved the Lord, but all of a sudden they kind of gave in to pressure. And they started compromising the gospel. Folks, we can't compromise the gospel. Amen. Amen. I promised you many, many years ago when we started pastoring this church, I'll preach to you, I'll pastor you, I'll love you, and I'll do my best. But don't think that I will compromise with sin. We won't compromise and we can't compromise. That's what God's called us not to do. It's to be a compromiser. You see, Obadiah was looking for grass to feed the herd uh, uh, when he should have been praying for rain. You see, he was. Uh, there had been a great drought come upon the land. The, the heavens were shut up, and there was no rain. And Obadiah was out trying to find some grass. He was trying to find him some hay, if you will, uh, to feed the livestock and to feed the cattle. See, he was trying to take care of it under his own means uh, instead of praying that God would send the rain and provide the means. That's the kind of compromise that I'm talking about. See, he was just trying to prop things up. Obadiah was just trying to get by without repentance. You see, a lot of times when we have sin in our life, uh, we'll try to do things to make that sin right, uh, but we won't go to the God of heaven who can forgive us of those sins. And we can't just prop things up like it's going to be all right when we haven't repented. And this is where Obadiah is. And I just wonder if you're a compromiser today. Was there ever a time in your life when you loved the Lord and when you loved Him with all your heart and with all your might and then you look at yourself today and you wonder, what happened to me? Why don't I serve God like I used to? What has happened in my life that uh, all of a sudden uh, I'm not as close to God? Listen, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last week. I serve the God of glory that can forgive all sins uh, uh, no matter what they are. Uh, And don't you think God's done with you? uh, Because I'm here to tell you God's got something for you to do. I love that quote from Dr. David Gibbs two weeks ago. He said, just because you're older in age, don't think God's done with you. You'll know when God's done with you because you'll be looking at Him. (laughs) That's when you're done. (laughs) When He's done with you, you'll be looking at Him. Amen. In other words, we can't stop doing. (laughs) 
We're called according to a purpose and we're called together. But be careful of these enemies of revival. That one being compromising. Where's that love of Jesus gone from? Do we remember the specific times when prayers in our life were being answered just like that in our favor? But now our prayer life is weak and we can't get one answered. Is there anything about our lives that is different today than it was back then? Is there anything different in our lives that is different from the world? Because it should be. Uh, The old King James Bible here still says, Come out from among them and be ye separate. Amen. That doesn't mean we don't go and witness to them. That doesn't mean that we don't try to share the gospel in some sinful to some sinful people. Uh, but it does mean that we should depart from our sinful ways uh, and cling to a living, loving God uh, to where we can have a testimony where others will want what we've got. Do we love the Lord enough to feed upon His Word? Do we think we've done all that God wants us to do? Do we think we've learned every bit of information about the Lord that we would ever need to know? I'm telling you, church, I learn something new every day. Every day. How do you do that? How do you learn something new every day? You read the Word of God every day. You read it and allow it to minister to your heart. 99% of the time, God will speak to you through His Word. And if we're not reading the Word of God, then He will not speak to you in that fashion. And I'm sure He can impress upon our hearts. He's done it upon mine. But my friend, God speaks to you through His inerrant, infallible Word of God. Do we think we've done all we could do? Compromising is an enemy of revival. But the corrupt is an enemy of revival. Ahab and Jezebel represent the corrupt in this story. Look at verse 17 and 18. We're in chapter 18 of 1 Kings. Look at verse 17 and 18. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, Are thou he that troubled Israel? Listen to what they're blaming Elijah for. Elijah, you're the one that's troubling Israel. And he answered, that being Elijah, I have not troubled Israel, but thou. In other words, the prophets exposing them for who they are. But thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Corrupt. Corrupt. You see, there's many reasons and many times when people will leave a a particular church, and a lot of times the preacher always gets the bad end of the deal, maybe when the preacher didn't have nothing to do with it. You see. Uh, when everything's going well, uh, oh, oh, our preacher's doing good. Uh, our church is doing good. We've got the best pastor in the universe. Uh, but boy, if things go bad, uh, if things turn sour, Lord, he's the worst thing that's ever walked the earth. I've heard that sometimes. And uh, I've heard that not particularly around here, but I've heard it in other places. <laughs> I've heard it in other places. Folks, it doesn't mean uh, uh, that the man of God may be corrupt. And then again, there may be times when the man of God is corrupt. Uh, but corruption uh, and sin, my friend, uh, will, de- will, will deflate and put out those revival fires that could be falling upon us this morning. Not only the corrupt, but the confused. The people here represent the confused. Look at verse 19 through 21. Now therefore send and gather me all Israel unto the Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, 450. And the prophets of the groves, 400. Which eat at Jezebel's table. 
So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long, how long have ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the people answered Him, Not a word. These people were confused. That is an enemy of revival. If you're not true to who you're serving, if you don't know who you're going to serve and who your true God is, you can't help us carry the load very well. You can't get a prayer through unless you know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Unless you know that one that went to an old rugged cross some 2,000 years ago to die for you and I and shed every drop of blood in His body to where you and I could be saved. That's the one true God today. Hey, I still believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Amen. All three in one. He's not a three-headed God, but He is a God with three distinct personalities. And each one has its specific purpose. Uh, Folks, we don't need to be confused over the Word of God today. Our God's not the author of confusion. But confusion will eliminate revival fires. Not only confusion, but competition. Listen to where I'm going. The priest of Baal represented the competition. I promise you, in two weeks, a week for actually one week from tomorrow night, when revival starts here at Turning Point Free Will Baptist Church, you will have some competition. An enemy of revival. Competition. Some of you are going to have to make the decision. Am I going to go to church hungry tonight? Or am I going to skip church and go get a bite to eat? Because some of you work late. Guess what's competing there? Competition with the flesh and the spirit. What do I do? Where do I go? What do I turn to? Some of you will have competition this week uh, and you'll have to decide. Am I going to go to the house of God or am I going to go to the ball game? Am I going to go to the house of God or am I going to take care of the dishes in the sink and do the laundry? Am I going to go to the house of God or am I going to be watching the race or or, or whatever may be on TV? Am I going to go to the house of God or am I going to go home and watch Survivor? Am I going to go to the house of God or am I going to watch some other program at comes on TV. Listen, uh, there should be no competition with our God today. Uh, He still ought to be first in your life. You ought to still put Him first uh, and serve Him first and seek first His glory. There'll be competition. I was faced with that competition. Many a times we was faced with competition. But don't give in to the competition. You follow the one true living God and do what's right. Right. Amen. Amen. That right there, my friend, competition is something uh, uh, that will eliminate uh, the fire from falling, uh, uh, the weaker revival, the way we're desiring uh, to fall. But let's look at number two, the elements of revival. How can we have revival? First of all, you got to have the solidarity of God's people. You see, the enemy is in the business to divide us, uh, but this altar down here will unite us. Amen. Uh, the separation of God's people from this world needs to take place in our lives. God wants a holy, righteous people, and our righteousness is not very much. We're flesh. We're blood. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
But what's wrong with trying to live right? What's wrong with trying to do that which is right in your life? Listen, we need to have solidarity. Unity, if you will, amongst God's people. I thank God for when we moved over here, stepped out on faith and didn't have nothing. God seen the unity of the people and heard our prayers and put us where we are today. Uh, this over here next door, uh, th- that five acres in that house over there has been a dream of mine since uh, we've moved here. And I knew that God was going to lay it in our lap one day and basically he did. Uh, and we've worked hard and you've gave faithfully uh, to try to get it completed to where it will save us in the future and to where it can be used for more ministry. And folks, you've, thought that you, you, you've come in contact with that vision. You've bought into that vision and you believe that vision. And my friend, when it gets done, uh, it'll be amazing what God's going to do with it. Yeah, amen. It's important that people follow the pastor as he leaves. I was reading in Numbers just the other day where the Bible says that God called a shepherd over the sheep. And that shepherd is to follow God and the people are to follow the shepherd. Amen. Hey, listen, now, I'm not telling, telling you to follow me a wrong direction and as we go off a cliff somewhere. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm saying if you know this preacher's following the Lord, let me invite you to get on the train and let's follow the Lord and get completed what needs to be done. Amen. Uh, Because God does uh, speak to His man in any church, in in any denomination today. uh, He speaks to His man uh, to lead the people in the direction that they should go. The solidarity of God's people. And I thank God for the unity of this place. The unity that we've seen the last couple of weeks. Uh, the unity that we've seen this year during that state convention that we hosted. My friends, uh, the, the, there were people from the uh, from Nashville out of the corporate offices of Free Will Baptist. Now, we're not connectual or anything, but they were here. And they kept bragging on the unity of the people. And the people all over the state, the unity of the people. The people come together and they got it done. Folks, that's the reason they wanted to have it here. It's because they knew that turning Point Church could get the job done and God helped us get it done. Solidarity of the people. That's an element of revival. You've got to have unity. And if any of you know of our revivals, we know that the devil fights long and hard when it comes that time. I don't expect this year to be no different. He fights us and he battles us. But thank God greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. (laughs) Huh? Satan's back was broken at Calvary. Well, what do I need to do, preacher? What is another element of revival? You remember the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And, uh, and that, that broke Satan's back right there. That bro- well, how do I get Satan off of me? How do I? And I know he's going to come at me. And I know he's going to come at me hard. Let me remind you of Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 11. And they overcome him, the devil, the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. In other words, when the devil begins to sit on one shoulder, knock him off in the name of Jesus and plead the blood. When you're going the wrong direction in your life, and he's trying to turn you that direction, that wrong direction. You just let him know and take him back to an altar of prayer where you got saved. Amen. You take him back and remind him of his future every time he reminds you of your past. Listen, we've all got past. And most of us have probably got dark past. But I'm glad to say that our God, when He forgives you, throws as far as the east is to the west and buries into the deepest parts of the sea. And my friend, that gives me assurance today that my God is a forgiving God. And He forgives all sins. 
Not only remembering that sacrifice of Christ and the solidarity of the people, but we've got to have a supernatural power of God. <laughs> What's wrong with praying that the fire falls? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. One of the little prayers in my prayer book. Lord, that the fire will fall on revival. Even now, so Lord, let it fall. Let it fall. And I'm glad we had a little taste of that this morning. Amen. When God falls, we need the fire of God falls. We need that supernatural power of God. But also, if you want another element of revival this morning, you need the strength of believing prayer. Why does anybody ever pray if you're not going to believe what you're asking for? That will defeat you. Uh, We can't go to God in prayer with doubts in our heart and doubts in our mind. Those children of Israel, Brother Joe, had been blessed so much by God, they knew who the true God was. They were there and they were worshiping Baal. They knew that He wasn't the God of heaven. They knew that they couldn't pray. They had doubts that He would bring fire down. They had doubts. And guess what? It couldn't happen. He's a dead God. Couldn't happen. But boy, when Elijah called it down, it came from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it came down and just eliminated that complete sacrifice and everything that surrounded. You got the elements of revival. But thirdly, let's look at the evidence of revival. How are we going to know that revival comes? The fire's going to fall. <laughs> It's plain and simple. Well, how will we know that the fire has fallen? Because fire consumes. In other words, when the fire falls in your life, uh, my friend, it'll consume up all the pride. It'll consume up all the sin. It'll consume up those things in your life that don't need to be there. When that fire falls, my friend, you'll know it and you'll have revival in your heart. And if I get revival in my heart, Joe gets it in his heart. Tina gets it in her heart. Then Harold gets it in his heart. And it starts spreading all around. You'll have a church-wide revival before you know it. And revival fires will be burning deep down inside of you and I and it can't be put out by the devil. Fire consumes. How do I know the fire is going to fall? Fire will convict you. When the fire falls and begins to convict you, let me give you a little advice. Go ahead and let the fire consume it. Go ahead and and get to an altar prayer as quick as you can and say, Lord, please forgive me. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. What's wrong with be, What's wrong with just saying I'm wrong? Yeah. There's not a whole lot to going to the Lord and say, Lord, I am wrong in such and such matter. Lord, please just forgive me. Yeah. Get this off my heart, off yeah. my mind. See, the fire's done falling and it's convicting people's hearts, and they're wanting to, you know, they they need to do what's right after that. Yeah. What's wrong with saying I'm sorry? What's wrong with being nice to somebody else? You don't see a lot of niceness today. Most of the time, people are just ugly. They ugly at you. They're going to holler at you or make you mad. Or... I was, I let Hannah off at school just the other day. And I got behind, no, actually, I picked her up. I was picking her up, and we left, and we was leaving Rainbow Lake Middle School, headed back to the house. I got behind this bus, and there's this, Probably a 14-year-old, let me just go ahead and say it, 14-year-old punk on the back of that bus. 
Well, he, he proceeded and to drop some choice words and telling me I was number one. Now, I don't know about you, but that got under my skin a little bit from a 14-year-old kid that needs to know better. And I, I was starting to get in the flesh. I was like, I'm going to pull this bus over. <laughs> I'm at least going to tell the bus driver, you know, would that have done any good? No, it wasn't done any good. He drives the bus. Y'all know it wasn't done no good to him, but no good. Okay. I wanted, my, I wanted so bad just to pull this bus over and just jump on the bumper of the back of the bus <laughs> and tell him to come here. <laughs> you know, because you need a whooping and I'm fixing to get my belt off and give you one. And he kept on doing it. He'd turn around. He'd tell me I'm number one. He'd say them words. Tell me I'm no, say them words. And we just come out of this good meeting two weeks ago. Yeah. And the Lord just told me to do this. When he looked at last time, I went. <laughs> I looked at him. We were stopped at a bus stop. I looked at him, I put both my hands together, and I said, I'm praying for you. That boy never did turn back around. He never did turn back around, and he never did make any of those gestures, and he never did speak any more of that language. Amen? You see, a kid that done that, that would be in a service like this today, would feel convicted. Conviction. Fire consumes, fire convicts, but thank God fire will convert. (laughs) It'll convert. I'm not talking about the fires of the devil, the fires of the enemy, or the fires of hell. I'm talking about the sweet fires of the Holy Ghost of God. It'll change your life if we'll just get down to business with Him. I'm praying that the fire will fall. Not only in my life personally, but your life personally and in our church. Listen, we don't have to wait until a week from Monday for revival to start. We can start today. Amen. I want you to stand. Dusty, can you get that song, He's More Than Enough? More Than Enough. As he'll do the invitation for us. I want to tell you this morning that he is enough. Let's stand together. He, he, he's enough to save you. He's enough to forgive you. Amen. He's enough to heal you. Yeah. Hey, listen. Some people are so afraid of God that they won't ask Him to heal them. They think people think they're crazy. Yeah. Listen, what does the book of James say? Call upon the elders of the church, anoint thy head with oil, the prayer of the faithful to save the sick. Right. Now listen, I'm not talking Benny Hinn stuff here. I'm talking about Bible stuff. I'm talking about Bible stuff. Amen. He's more than enough. And He can help you today. And if you don't have anything else to pray for, pray that the fires will fall on this church, will fall on our state, and will fall across America. Because there's some changes that need to be made. Huh? Some changes. This, this, This country has gotten immoral. Don't take me wrong. I love my nation. I love them soldier boys. I pray for them daily that defend this great nation of ours. But I do not like what this nation's become. And it's all part of prophecy. It's being fulfilled. All that over in Russia. Listen, read it in your Bible. It won't be long 
They'll want that little nation of Israel. Won't be long. Won't be long. And folks, when you hear that over the radio or the TV, you'll know. Times are nigh. Very nigh. It's coming. He's coming. If you need Jesus today as your Savior, this altar's open. If you need just to get back right with God, you backslid on Him, you need to get back in the fold. He'll he'll take you back. Just maybe you want revival fires to fall in your life and in your family. Well, guess what? Our God's enough to provide it. Maybe you've got a need in your life that nobody else knows about. Our God can help you. We don't serve a dead God today. Our Father in heaven, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this opportunity to be here in prayer today. Lord, I ask you, Lord, with all your power and might, give the people of this church courage to come around an altar of prayer and pray. And Lord, I ask you, dear Jesus, to send revival fires our way, save the lost, reclaim the backslider. And Lord, maybe if just some's cold today and they need to get back closer to you. And Lord, we'll sure love you and thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. As they're coming already, amen and amen.